I'm sure all of us have seen or heard the statement, just feel your feelings. Well, that's great and all, but what the hell does that mean? I mean, if you're someone who doesn't really know how to feel your feelings, seeing that statement and hearing that statement doesn't mean shit to you. With our next guest, Jessica Persini, her and I sit down and talk about the Achilles heel when it comes to high-achieving women and then actually how emotional um, coping mechanisms, especially when attached to something negative, actually are roadblocks. And we kind of deep dive into how to go about emotionally checking yourself, but also how her personal journey with emotional eating has actually led her to figure out that she had the emotional intelligence of a six-year-old when she is a full-grown-ass woman. Hey, Slay Nation. It's your host, Heather, back with another episode of the So She Slays podcast. Today, I have Jessica Prosini with me, and she and I are going to dive into one of, well, probably there's many, like the Achilles heel, though, of highly successful women. I'm very intrigued because So She Slays is made up of highly successful women. So <laughs> I'm intrigued. We're going to dive into some other things though. But before I um completely derail and go right into the topic that I want to talk about, <laughs> Jessica, go ahead and give a little intro. Yeah, so I'm Jessica Persini, uh, connecting in from Philadelphia, PA. I'm the founder and leader of Escape from Emotional Eating and really am on a mission to help highly successful women get back in touch and stay in touch with themselves by healing their emotional eating. And I am so excited to be here together today. <laughs> Well, I know um, emotional eating is definitely something that you focus on. And I'm curious to kind of deep dive into our subject of the Achilles heel for the most successful women. Um, Because I want to know, I mean, like, are they tied together? And then at the same time, too, what exactly is the Achilles heel? (laughs) Yeah. So I think kind of to like start this off on the on the right foot, it's just to share a little bit about like my story and how I got into this because um, my work was really created from my own personal experience with emotional eating and not really fitting the typical stereotype of an emotional eater. So I didn't have hundreds of pounds to lose. And I, at that time, already had a whole Uh, kind of repertoire of nutritional information. I was already a certified health coach, had already graduated from nutrition school. I was teaching fitness classes full time. And the thing that despite anything that I tried was that I really felt absolutely lost and chaotic when it came to my relationship with food. So anytime that I felt stressed or anxious, overwhelmed, scared, even overjoyed, food was my coping mechanism. I would reach for it. I remember back in the day, um, you know, getting on a phone call for work and eating a whole bar of chocolate before I got on that call as a way to tame my nerves and my nervous system. And I kind of played it off like, 
oh, well, it was dark chocolate. It's not that big of a deal. But as time went on and my relationship with food was not getting any healthier, despite anything that I had tried, um, I started to really discover that I was an emotional eater. And as I was exploring ways to try to heal my relationship with food, I was getting more and more frustrated because I was only finding these extremes of, well, you either you go to an eating disorder clinic or you go to Overeaters Anonymous, which really didn't resonate with me. Um, and I was kind of looking for that middle ground of, well, where's the support for people like me who already know so much, who who operate at a really high level of efficiency in life? And, and where is the support to learn how to manage that high level of stress and efficiency even better? Mm. And so this all really started from... Uh, you know, first healing myself. And now it's been over seven years since I felt any kind of crazy or chaotic compulsion in my relationship with food. Food is a nourishing asset for me. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full. It supports the work that I do in the world and is never, ever holding me back. So I've come a long way in my own relationship with food. And then from there, you know, it really all started with someone being like, what are you doing? Like, why are you so happy? How do you make it all look so easy? Like you're changing You're, you know, like you look so healthy, like, tell me what you're doing. And then that person being like, well, you have to work with me. And that was like, honestly, like how I got my first client, but I also have a, you know, a whole host of certifications and background in psychology of eating and things like that. Um, but all that to say is that like this all really stemmed from my own relationship with food and really discovering aspects of our, our relationship with food that nobody's really talking about. And that's why I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I guess it kind of kind of ties back to my overall question of then what is the Achilles heel that you are referencing? So the Achilles heel is emotional eating and using food as a way to cope, mm -hmm. using food as a way to cope and using it in a way that is specifically self-destructive. So this is when examples would be eating when you are not hungry or not even really knowing when you're hungry, kind of like you're so disconnected or disassociated from your physical body that you can't even feel or sense or connect in with your, your body's needs, like physical hunger, physical satiation. And when food becomes this crutch, when it becomes the way that we cope with high levels of stress, there are negative consequences to that. Um, there's negative physical consequences, um, like health issues, digestion problems, energy issues. But there's also a real, real negative um, impact on our emotional development and our emotional well-being. Mm. And for those of us who are here and everyone who's listening, 
in order to be a woman who is really driven and striving for excellence, we also have to have a really high level of resilience. And when we are using food to try to fake resilience, we never really learn how to get back up when we've been knocked down. Oh my gosh. Okay. I want you to elaborate on that a little bit more because resilience is such a key part of success in general uh, because you are going to fall down. You will fail. You will have a whole bunch of no's thrown at you, right? So let's elaborate a little bit more about, you know, the food part aspect of that and how you actually end up faking resilience. So when I started healing my relationship with food, I started having these flashbacks and memories of when I would have emotional eating experiences. So for example, I remembered a time in my 20s when I was getting out of an abusive relationship and had to go through a court system for a restraining order and remember leaving the court and going to a diner and just eating until I felt sick. I remember a time when I was 16 all the way back to when I was six years old. And I think this was like my first emotional eating experience that I was remembering. All that to say is that what I've learned and what I have also been told is that whenever we use a something, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's shopping, sex, drugs, whatever, what, whenever we use a substance to help us cope with a difficult experience or emotions, we stunt our emotional growth and our emotional growth gets stunted at the age that the pattern started. So in my story, oh my gosh. Okay. So is that the reason why some people just never quite make it past a certain emotional age? Yeah. So when I started healing my emotional eating, you know, it's many years ago now, but I was in my late twenties, but I essentially had the emotional maturity of a six-year-old. Oh my gosh. Because I had never learned, I had never learned how to process my feelings. I had never learned that my feelings are okay. I was taught, stop crying. Don't do that. People are going to think you're weak. You're so sensitive. I was like taught to stuff it. And it wasn't until like I realized that what I was doing with food and my emotions was not healthy and not sustainable that I started to heal, but more I started to go through the emotional maturity and development that I should have gone through all along. Okay. So I have to ask you then, because there, I mean, we talked about self-awareness on So She Slays. We talked about emotional intelligence and all of that kind of stuff. And I know that they say the same thing happens when it comes to trauma or anything like that, right? Like if there's a huge trauma that happens at a certain age, and you don't process it, you emotionally get stuck there. And a lot of times if you don't realize that you are stuck, that is where you stay. So you started realizing those things. What what did you start realizing? And then how did you go ahead and go about the process of starting to become more emotionally intelligent? 
Do you mean like when I, when I realized those things, how did I realize emotional eating was unhealthy or? I think, how did you realize that you were using food as, as your emotional outlet because you stuffed everything else? Well, I had gone through, I had always had a passion for health and it was when my like passion for health became an obsession as I shared before, um, it was where like, it was almost like uncontrollable, um, where I would, I would just have this like magnetic pull towards eating or towards food. I was always thinking about it. Um, like it really reached a point where I kind of was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep feeling like the dis ease and the chaos that I had going on inside. And I was, it was starting to manifest physically in like excess weight. My anxiety was getting so bad that it was blurring my vision at some certain points. Um, Like it just wasn't sustainable. And I had to be the person to say like, enough is enough. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to keep living like this to really then take it to the next step to search for answers. I don't know if that answers your question. Well, because I'm I'm wondering though, like a lot of times people, when they go through something like this, right, you, you kind of stay stuck at, you said you were, you were emotionally at um, the age of like six, right? Mm -hmm. So I would assume that obviously it took a little bit of, um, self-exploration to work through, you know, to try to try and, and fix your emotional age. Cause obviously you're not a six-year-old child, right? You're a grown, right. you're a grown woman. Um, so my thing is like, what, what did you do and what did you ask yourself when you were trying to mature emotionally? Yeah. So the Well, what I actually want to just like put into the mix and this conversation is that going back to my six-year-old self and when I had started using food as a way to cope, at that time, I didn't have a big trauma. I didn't have this major like light bolt, lightning bolt, earth shattering experience There's also this thing called socialized trauma, where there are smaller instances of basically being taught that you're not okay as you are. Mm. And what I was able to finally discover and connect dots about was that I'm a highly sensitive person in a world that is not really designed for sensitive people. Mm -hmm. And that was really where my, you know, my coping mechanism of using food to numb my nervous system or numb the sensations that I was feeling in my body began at six years old, because I think that's when I started to look around and notice I'm different I feel very deeply and not everyone else feels this way. And I've got to figure out a way to move through this life with the limited tools and resources that I had as a six-year-old and food was always there. 
Um, so along, like along the journey, as I started to investigate my relationship with food in this other aspect of my life, I discovered I was a highly sensitive person. And I started learning about how my nervous system processes at a different level and in a different way. And as I started to really own and claim those strengths, but also the shadow side of that part of myself is really where I started to connect a lot of the dots around my relationship with food and started to see like, oh, wow, like I really have been using food for my entire life to just try to cope with how overwhelmed I felt in so many different ways. Okay, so speaking of coping mechanisms, another thing that you kind of like to talk about are, is how coping mechanisms are actually roadblocks. And I want to know exactly what you mean by that. So coping mechanisms are roadblocks when that coping mechanism has a negative piece to it. Hmm. In other words, let's so emotional eating is a coping mechanism. And it will come with a myriad of negative repercussions to it. It'll, um, you know, overeating or eating food that you know you can't or shouldn't be eating can have issues on your digestion. It can zap your energy. You can feel a lot of guilt or shame. Um, it can numb you in a lot of different ways. So, when I say coping mechanisms as roadblocks, I want to be specific about the coping mechanisms that in the moment for the mere minutes that you're doing it might feel good. But in the long term, whether it's 24 hours after 48 hours, or even four years, can really create a lot of setbacks. Mm. Okay, okay. So how did you go about then like, okay, so there's a negative aspect to the to the overeating, right? And the overeating um, in your relationship with food was definitely your coping mechanisms. How did you go about finding healthier coping mechanisms? So one piece of it was taking that six-year-old emotional maturity level and growing it up. And the way that I did that first was what I now call building emotional fitness. In other words, I had to like learn how to hit the emotional gym and have tools and have processes that I would take myself through to be able to learn that no matter what I feel or what I experience in my body, I can handle it because before there would be certain things that I would feel, for example, like grief. If I would do anything and everything to avoid feeling grief, including replacing people <laughs> or replacing the loss, just so I didn't have to feel it. Where now I have a very capable and strong way knowing that loss is a natural part of life. And no matter what, no matter who comes in or out of my life, I will have to move through a grief process 
multiple times through this life. And this is how I do that. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So like I had to really learn how to build my emotional fitness and build it in a way that worked for me because I, at that time I had already spent like a decade in therapy and hearing people say like, Oh, just feel your feelings. Your feelings are meant to be felt. Just, just felt like no help at all. Right. So I, I mean, it, it, I was just going to say, it sounds very generalized when, if you are a person who does not know how to feel your feelings, uh, where do you start with that? So that almost leads me to my question of what is your emotional routine or, or quote unquote fitness routine that you you have for yourself? So I have a toolbox, uh, just like we have, like, just like anyone has like a makeup box, right? You have, probably have like three different kinds of mascara in your, in your makeup box. And depending on the day and depending on where you're going and how you're feeling, you'll choose a different kind of mascara depending on what you need. I see my emotional toolbox in the same way. So, and there's tools, which I teach my clients that I've developed and things like that. For example, I have a process called digesting emotions um, to literally do that, to help me process emotions. I have a tool called the fear flush. So if I'm feeling a lot of fear or anxiety, I have a way to get it up and get it out and off of my body. Um so there's tools. So I'll kind of go to my toolbox depending on what I'm, you know, go what's going on or what season I'm in. And I will use it in the same way that anyone would have like a yoga practice. Mm. In fact, like my like routine, and it has been this way for a few months now, is I get up, I do 10 minutes of yoga because it just helps me come into my body and no matter where I go or what I do, I want to move through my day in my body. So I do 10 minutes of yoga. I take care of my dogs. I let them out. I feed them. I walk them with my husband. I eat my breakfast and then I circle back around to myself and do some emotional fitness time. And it's just like, 20 minutes of different exercises to clear my energy, set it for the day, and be able to move forward as like a whole integrated mind, body, soul person. Because in the past, I would just immediately get up as like a ball of anxiety and nerves and really let my anxiety make all the decisions throughout the oh day. Oh my gosh, which is not helpful at all. Oh and my not gosh. Healthy. <laughs> not, not healthy or healthy. Not sustainable. Like you oh. don't create long-lasting relationships that way. You don't create a sustainable business that way. So so yeah, so that's like the way it looks now. And other things that I do is like when I eat lunch, I do not eat it in my office. I eat it at a table on a plate sitting in a chair, even because it only really takes us 10 minutes to eat. But there's certain things in my day where I'm like, coming back and checking in with myself. Because 
one of the things about emotional eating is it's rooted in this like disregard and this disassociation with our bodies, our emotional body, our spiritual body, our mental body. It's like where one of you is doing one thing and the other part of you is doing something completely out, you know, like totally different. So, so I really learned that like, not only to be free from my emotional eating, but to stay free requires a strong commitment and vigilance to some extent of staying in touch with myself and all parts of myself, my physical body, my mental body, my emotional body. And quite honestly, things get done so much faster (laughs) when all parts of myself are working together and things are so much more enjoyable when, you know, my emotional closet is clean and it's clear and it's supported. Yeah. To kind of wrap up this interview a little bit, I, I want to know what are some things, I mean, you have your emotional fitness routine, um, 20 minutes to yourself every morning, right? What are some things or some questions we can ask ourselves in creating our own fitness routine? Or even if we want to go ahead and, you know, do that emotional fitness routine in the morning for 20 minutes, like what are some questions and some things that we should be asking ourselves? That's a great question. So the first thing I actually want to disclaim is that just because my practice is about 20 minutes, it doesn't mean everyone's practice needs to be 20 minutes because a practice could be literally a minute. (laughs) Like any little increment in the direction of emotional health and emotional fitness is valuable and worthy. So I don't want anyone getting into kind of that thinking that like, oh, well, I don't have 20 minutes, so I'm not going to do anything. When the truth is that we can do a lot with even just a minute. So um, the first question that like I would recommend anyone is asking themselves is just how are you feeling And when I'm introducing like emotional fitness and we're beginning this journey together, I give my clients a multiple choice. So we, so while there's like hundreds of emotions that we have, we start with the major five. These are like the main colors of our emotions. And this helps stay out of emotional overwhelm. So the, you would want to ask yourself, like, how am I feeling? And then the major five are mad, sad, glad, scared, or bad. And then you just let yourself honestly answer. And just FYI, you can be a combination. So especially as women, we do have the, the both neurological and emotional ability to feel multiple things at the same time. So you might be scared and you might be glad at the same time, but just taking that first step of checking in and and identifying how you feel in any given moment, even as you're listening to this podcast. And you might have an initial response of something that isn't one of those five, But I invite you to ask yourself again, trying to identify which of the five, because even annoyed, right? Like if your response is, I feel annoyed, 
that is a combination of a multiple of the five. So the annoyed could be a little bit of uh, um, angry and a little bit of scared or annoyed could be just scared or so it's not black and white, but it's also not, you know, opening it to this big, big conversation. Yeah. You know, that is actually like one of the things that I do in the morning too is, um, or even honestly throughout the day, because I'm kind of, I'm the type of person that like I'll get up and I'm not really a morning person. So I'm like literally pushing myself to like do things in the morning. Um, I don't actually wake up until like maybe 930 or 10. I always like to say that just because I'm up does not mean I'm functioning. Um, so just because, uh, you're not a morning person doesn't mean that you have to, uh, do this in the morning, in the morning part of your day. Um, I find it helpful. I like to do it around the time that I'm eating. Um, probably because I think it's, that's also a conscious time where I stop and do something else other than look at my screen. Um, but also too, it's like, I do it throughout the day, whether, I just need to sit on the couch for a second or I'm stretching. And a lot of it is um, I ask myself how I'm feeling, right? Anxious, nervous, scared, whatever. Um, And then I also do a body scan. And I don't mean like, you know, meditate and all that kind of stuff. It's literally like, how am I feeling? And then I'm like, okay, well, how's my body feeling? It might yeah. feel because another thing that I think is um something that's coming up more is the trauma that is not only mental and emotional, but it lives in your body, like physically yeah. lives in your body. So it's incredibly helpful in the journey of self-awareness to definitely ask yourself, you know, how I'm feeling today. Mm-hmm. And then also, how is my body feeling? Is my anxiousness living somewhere? Is my stress living somewhere? I always, always know when I've been stressed out or I have like too much on my brain, when I wake up first thing in the morning, and I know like this is a podcast, so nobody can really see it. But I sl- I will wake up grabbing my elbows above my head. Like it's the weirdest, it's like I wake up like this and it's the weirdest thing because I, that's my signal to myself that Heather, you're stressed out. Be like, you also probably are, have too many things going on in your head right now. Mm -hmm. And see, it always happens like that if I work too late. Yeah. Like I don't have a cutoff point or I, I have a cutoff point, uh, but I'm, just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Which, so that always happens. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you have to pay attention. You got to know those idiosyncrasies about yourself. Right. Right. Which you saying like it usually happens around breakfast reminds me that I always recommend to my clients of doing something similar when they go to the bathroom. Right. Like, especially if you work from home, like this was something I did back in the day is I'd actually write on the mirror, how are you feeling? So when I'm sitting on the toilet, all you can look at is like that question. It like forces a reprogramming. And you're right, like our bodies are always speaking to us, but oftentimes we're moving way too fast to even understand the language of our bodies. But if we like slow down 
And I don't mean like do less. What I mean is step out of the frenetic energy that is everywhere in our lives and check in with ourselves. We will find so much wisdom and so much guidance. And honestly, a lot of the answers to those anxious or fearful or overwhelmed parts of ourselves are within us. But we haven't been given the tools. We haven't been given the guidance of like, well, how do I even start the conversation? And I think it just starts with that recognition and then starting to ask questions and have the willingness to develop the relationship with yourself. Oh my gosh. Love it. Um, Where can people find you, follow you, ask you questions? (laughs) You can find me over at innerwork.me. Actually, at innerwork.me, there's a quiz that will help you identify what is at the root of your emotional eating, which I highly, highly recommend. Um, And there's also a ton of resources like a beginner's guide to getting to the roots of emotional eating. So innerwork.me is where you can find me. And yeah, just looking forward to continuing this conversation in all the ways. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. And until next time, Slay Nation, we'll catch you later. Bye.